Hey, that was efficient. That was okay. And we're back after such a long interlude. Yeah, you know, I'm going to blame you on that. I was, I was going to blame you. I think we're both equally at fault. Look, I will say, there's really no excuse other than it's just been busy as shit. As fuck. It's been hard. I mean, we've had, like, crazy winter storms here in Utah. You know, holy shit, how much has happened since we recorded yeah, I think your truck broke down and your dog ran away. None of those things happened. And you wrote a country music song. That one almost happened. About America. Um, Holy crap, so many things have happened. Like Jeremy Renner got run over by his snowmobile, so snowplow. Did you hear about that? <laughs> <laughs> it's It was a thing, man. <laughs> Sorry, that's right, tragic. Let's pour the beer. Okay. Or yeah, we're, too sentimental we're here. talking about uh, a good beer. This is Voodoo American Stout. Comes in one of those big bottles, you know. And I, I you'll be happy to know I brought my uh, skull glass with me. So Hell we're both yeah. drinking out of a skull glass tonight. Skulling it up. Ooh, it smells really good. It smells like a stout. So I was thinking of writing a scary story. And the, what premise, the premise I want. Well, I'm just thinking about it, right? I'm trying to flesh it out. Um... The premise is, your kids are a little bit older, Britain. You know, you get a really nice Christmas, big tree, put a bunch of presents on the on the ground, right? And your kids are just opening the presents. And you didn't buy anything for you and the wife because you really wanted to splurge on the kids. Maybe you're getting like a PS8 or something like that, I don't know. Or a sex box, I'm not entirely sure. Um, and then you notice the kids go like, hey, Britain, I didn't know. Or, hey, Dad, I didn't know that you got something for you. It says, to, to Dad, from, from Santa. Oh, You're like, well, shit. that's weird. And just at the very back of the tree, in a spot you couldn't really see, it's just really weird present wrapped in strange Christmas wrapping. And you go and you lean down into the tr- uh, uh, under the tree to go pick it up. And, like, you know when you can sense something's wrong? Like, it's just radiating from the package. Like, like just opening it can be opening Pandora's box. Uh-oh. Like, that it could change everything in your life, and you end up opening it, and there's this weird, decrepit key, you know, from like the 1800s, like really big and metal, and you're like, well, where, you know, where does this go to? And I don't know exactly how I'm going to tie it up, right? But eventually, somewhere, you're going to find a door that you didn't see before. In my house? Will Britain go in? Well, we'll, we'll see in the in the... And the thing I'm going to write. Hey, look, I'm intrigued. I think that should happen. Yeah. I think you should actually write it. Maybe. I want to know where this key's going to take me. Yeah. Like, I'm really intrigued. Yeah. I think it, it would be like, um, I don't know what the title was. I thought I had a title for it, but like, I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll figure it out. So me and my wife, actually, a, a couple months ago, we, we actually sat down and started writing like little scary stories because I love writing. It's one of my favorite things to do. I just wish that I had the patience and time to actually sit and see something all the way through. But I wrote a story, kind of started with, like, this girl playing in her backyard. And, like, she walks past her shed, and it's, like, raining. And she hears this, like, really guttural, horrible noise that calls her name. I just don't know what I'm going to make it yet, though. You know? I've got an idea, but I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I but like writing it. is cool. Yeah, I like writing. But, uh, yeah, I mean... Happy New Year, everybody. I don't think we've actually had the chance to tell you. Oh, oh fuck. This is 23, not 22 anymore. Started off to a bang, kind of, really busy. Building my basement. Maybe the secret key will go somewhere down there. Maybe. But uh, I don't know. I watched The Black Phone. That's a good, scary movie. If you haven't watched it, you should definitely check it out. I have not heard of it. Stephen King Sung wrote it. So it's really good. Mm. It's really good. Uh, trying to think of something else. We watched another th- another scary story on Netflix called Cursor. It's about a haunted video game. It's actually not bad. I wonder if it has like similarities to Ben Drowned. Have you heard of that? I've not. It's one of a famous creepy pastas. You know, as I happen to know a lot of them because I listen to them a lot. But it's a guy that picks up uh, a Zelda game on the N sixty four. Best game. And it ends up being like haunted by like either. I'm not going to ruin it. Either Pazuzu. someone who drowned or a demon or something else. It's actually pretty decent. It's a good one. Nice. Cool. I'm trying to think, man. I wish I had some like crazy awesome stories, but I, I don't. 
I've just been adulting it up in this crazy adult world. But welcome back to the abyss. We're so happy to be recording again. Sorry for the delays. And we're going to be in a Reddit thread, and I don't care because I love the Reddit threads. They're like one of my favorite parts of these episodes, and, you know, it's just a unique way to hear scary stories, whether they're fact or fiction. Correct. And this thread is titled, Creepy Pastas Are Great, But Does Anyone Have Any Good True Creepy Stories? Oh, yeah. Let's go. Let's hear it. Let me start. Do you want to use it? Oh, go ahead, man. Okay. okay, this comes from Mastrius. A few years ago, my brother would get a call on his cell phone around 2 or 3 a.m. every single night. See, I have this theory. It's not actually really a theory, but if your phone rings at that hour, it's not good. You answer it. Oh, I'm going to pick it up no matter what. Yeah, 100%. Because, like, tail off a little bit here. A couple years ago, my mom and brother and my brother's friend were in a horrible car accident on their way to see my family in Arizona. And it was, like, 11 o'clock at night. And it honestly, like, gives me goosebumps. This is one of the most horrific calls I ever had, because I guess, like, they went head over tail in their car, like, three times. Jesus. Yeah, it was pretty rough. But anyway, so if it comes at this time, you answer your goddamn phone. Anyway, back to the story. He would answer, and it was this hellish-sounding noise, like static, mixed with screams. He changed his cell number after a few months of this, and it stopped. Then after a week or so, it began again, the exact same noise. Exact same time. Finally, one day he decided to backdial the call. It was an old man that had no clue what he was talking about. Still, the calls persisted. If he didn't answer, it would call a few more times, but no messages were left. He decided to say screw it, ended his contract with the phone company, switched to a new one, and then got another new number. You guessed it. The screaming static calls continued after a short delay. By this time, he was terrified every night unsure of why this was happening. He backdialed the number again and got a different person. Around this time, he lost his job and his phone. That escalated quickly. The calls stopped, of course. His phone was disconnected now. So one day, my mom asked me to listen to this weird message she got on our home phone. It was the static screaming. We showed my brother, and he was freaking out. He backed out the number again and said the number was disconnected this time. Never heard from it again after that. You know... It's definitely creepy. It's a riveting story. But you know what? Like, at one point, you got to get numb to it, right? Like, I would either, A, pick up and just start yelling back at it, like, ah! Or I'd, like, create a voicemail. It's like, hey, if you're the fire and brimstone demon that calls me every night at 2 a.m., please leave a message because I can't Beep. pick up. At least take me to dinner before you start screaming at me. Yeah, Jesus. Um, this is a very stout beer. Oh, it's so good. I <laughs> it's love It's so good. Beers. Reminds me of, uh, we got... Uh, Squatters Brewery in Utah, and they used to make uh, Captain Bastards Captain Oatmeal Bastards. Stouts. Oh. Yeah. Well, I uh, cloned it when I used to brew beer. I made a five-gallon batch. It was delicious. It is so good. You know it's a good stout when there's no light that can penetrate it. Yeah. It's just a black. It's 13%, and you can't taste the alcohol. It's only 8. Oh, okay. I was kidding right. about the 8%. Yeah. 13. 8%, and you can't see any light particles piercing the abyss of this skull glass. All right. Let's talk about White Wolf. She wrote a story, too. Oh. When my sister was young, my parents got her a personal phone, a landline, so that she could feel special. Yes, she was extra spoiled. <laughs> it was a prepaid landline, though, so basically no one could call in or out if she ran out of credit, much like a mobile phone. Anyway, every night at 3 a.m., her phone would ring. She said there was a man on the other line, and she would get really scared and come running to my room. It escalated to the point that I asked her to please disconnect her phone before going to sleep because it was becoming extremely annoying to get woken up every single night by this person that called her. To be honest, since she was about 10, I thought it was just these stupid, scary movies she liked to watch. Eventually, she just got rid of the phone. In any case, I recall the stopping. A few years ago, we were talking about it and she confessed that her phone continued to ring even after she disconnected it, which is why she said she didn't want it anymore. She has no recollection of what the person on the other end was saying, or maybe she just completely blocked it out. That's a good, that was a good story. God damn. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories. 
a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. And nothing good happens when you get a call at that hour. Okay, this comes from Adacore. This happened to a friend of mine. She told me about it a year or so ago. We'll call her Minji. Minji is in her late 20s and works as an English tutor in South Korea. One evening, a few years ago, she was tutoring a high school boy. They were up studying pretty late, wink wink, and the buses stopped running. Being a long way from his house, the boy asked me if he could crash on her floor overnight and get the first bus the next morning. I know the story, I've heard it. Oh yeah? Yeah. You're not being facetious, you've actually heard it? Yeah. Let's go get some ramen, let's go get this, you wait. Okay. Minji was very reluctant, because inviting a teenage male student to stay the night didn't sound like a great idea, but he was begging her, and eventually she relented. They went back to her one-room apartment, and she got into the bed while he laid a blanket out on the floor, and they both fell asleep. A few hours later, at maybe 2 a.m., the boy wakes Minji up. I'm really hungry, he says. Let's go get some food. Damn. Minji opens her eyes and looks up at him in disbelief. Food? Now? It's 2 a.m. Go back to bed. But the student insists. No, I'm so hungry. Let's eat something now. She tells him that there's some ramen in the kitchen and he can fix herself some. Fix himself some. This doesn't satisfy him. He doesn't want ramen. There's a 24-hour place just down the road. Let's go there. Eventually, after several minutes of persuasion, the boy gets Minji to come with him to the restaurant. They leave the apartment and head out. As soon as, as soon as they're on the street, the boy turns to Minji and says, I'm not hungry. I woke up in the middle of the night and looked under your bed. There's a man sleeping there. Holy shit. Yeah, man. That's creepy. They called the police and discovered that a homeless man had been living in Minji's apartment, sleeping under her bed, for over two months. The boy only saw him because he was lying on her floor, so had a clear view under the bed. <laughs> The police arrested the man, and thankfully there were no other issues, but that's by far the creepiest thing that's ever happened to anyone I know. God damn it, that is freaky. Let's go get some ramen. Let's just get out of this room. It's just like that whole thing where it's like, you know, when you have flashing lights behind you in the car, and you're like, this fucking creeper's chasing after me. But someone's in the back seat. <gasps> They're gonna get you. All right, this one is from Not Like TV. None from me, but I remember a story a high school teacher told me that always stuck with me. My former teacher was home alone when she was a child, Some, at some point in the 70s probably. A man knocked on her door, and she opened her main door, but kept her screen door locked. He said he was from the gas company and wanted to talk to her parents. She told him they weren't home, and he, without missing a beat, tried forcing his way into the home. When he found the screen door to be locked, he pulled out a fucking box cutter and started to cut through the screen. What the shit? My teacher ran to hide in a clothes hamper in her parents' closet. She said she sat there for 10 minutes before the police arrived. Thank God a neighbor saw everything and called the police, or she'd probably be dead. Also, to put a cherry on the fuck. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> also, to put a cherry on the freaking creepy Sunday. They found the intruder hiding in the attic. She told us that as a cautionary tale to lock all doors and windows when home alone. Of course, naturally, I would go home from school to be alone for hours. Doom. Okay. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Okay, this comes from Orange Derps. A few weeks ago, my girlfriend and I were sleeping together. God damn it, this is a family show. Uno in the shower. What does it mean? When I woke up to her saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Hello, she, my child. <laughs> you must not tell anyone of this. She sometimes talks in her sleep, but this sounded so coherent and urgent that it jolted me awake, and I asked what she was talking about. She then woke up and said she thought she saw someone at the end of the bed. 
Thinking it was just a dream or semi-awake hallucination, we thought nothing of it and went back to sleep. About an hour later, I woke up and saw someone standing on the bed with the sheets wrapped up and twisted to their neck. I didn't know what to do, but the first thing that came out of my mouth was, what are you doing? My girlfriend then woke me up. I had been dreaming the exact same thing that she did and said the exact same thing. I know it's the power of suggestion or whatever, but fuck that. Creepy, man. What are you doing? Okay. <laughs> Comment. Thanks for ruining my night's sleep. All right. This one is from Scribbling Des. When I was in the eighth grade, I went on a school trip that was called the Louisiana Tour. It was mostly going around to significant sites in South Louisiana. One of the places we went was Myrtle's Plantation, which is considered to be one of the most haunted places in the country. There are all kinds of stories about that place, but at one point, we were standing in a room as a part of a larger group, and the tour guide was talking about something. I don't remember what. As I'm standing there, I start to hear what sounds like someone hitting a piano key. After I heard it a couple of times, I started to look around for the source of the noise. I didn't see a piano, but I kept hearing it. So I asked my friends who were standing there near me if they had heard it too. They said no. When I heard it again, I said, there it is again. And they must have heard it. They thought I was crazy, so I guess they didn't hear it. So I went back to looking around the room. Everyone's eyes were on the tour guide except for one woman. She caught my eye and pointed at me and then at her ear with a questioning look. I realized she was asking if I had heard that too, and I nodded. At this point, the tour guide starts telling about a soldier who had died there and that he had played the piano, and multiple guests had reported hearing him play in the night. I honestly didn't know what to think. I guess I still don't. I talked to the woman as we were all leaving the room, and she had heard the exact same thing as me, but her husband and son had not heard it. Whew. Damn. Okay. This comes from Stinky Raptor. What a name. When I was growing up, one of my best friends told me about a very creepy situation involving him, his younger brother, and a man in the window. When my friend and his little brother were younger, they shared a bedroom. They're some years apart, but his younger brother was born with a multitude of different health issues, including multiple sclerosis. He's confined to a wheelchair and cannot care for himself. So, to keep an eye on him overnight when his parents couldn't, they shared a bedroom. One night, my friend randomly woke up for no particular reason and happened to glance over at his younger brother, but noticed something very startling. A strange silhouette of a man wearing a top hat looking in through the window behind his younger brother's crib. That's fucked up. The first thing my friend did was jump up and turn the lights on, then ran into his parents' room to tell them what he saw. When his parents came back into their room to investigate, his younger brother was having a seizure in his crib. A few of his family members say it was his younger brother's guardian angel standing in the window that night. My friend believes it was death. It's all still pretty unsettling to me. How could that be a guardian angel? Yeah. And a top hat? It's like, mm. I'm here to look over you, pal. Mm. I hope nothing bad happens. I'm your guardian angel. My name is Frank. Now do the closed eyes jiggly dance. Oh, God, Cleet. What's wrong with that? Closed eyes jiggly dance for a seizure? Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that offensive? That's a one way, not to me. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> but the closed eyes jiggly dance? Oh, yeah, I like the way you shake. I just don't. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to let you decide on that one. When I was younger, I had an imaginary friend who lived in this massive antique dresser. We'd chill out, and I vividly remember him telling me stories, although I have absolutely no recollection of what they actually were. I remember one day talking to my parents about it. Dad traveled quite a bit, so he wasn't up to date with what I was into. And when I started telling him about the dresser, Buddy, he wanted to know his name. It was something innocent like Peter or Patrick, but I can still see him going wide in the face. I drew Peter and Patrick out for him, and the very next day, him and my uncle took out the, dr the dresser and burned it. It wasn't until years later, after, when I found out that my dad's little brother, my uncle, also had 
the same friend with the same name who lived in the same antique dresser. Oh, shit. I was going to say, like, why is the big fuss about an, uh, an imaginary friend? That is. Oh, God, let's burn this thing. But if it's the same goddamn thing. After a few months of the typical imaginary friend shit, my uncle started having night terrors and couldn't sleep because Peter slash Patrick. It got so bad that they had to move him out of his room before he managed to get back to normal. He then replies to some people that asked him some questions. So apparently, the dresser was an old, dark, wood, ugly thing. As far as we know, it belonged to my great-great-grandmother, who had always been into some weird shit, if family history is to be believed. Two, Dad never talked about what was actually in the dresser, and he was the only one who believed his brother when they were kids. Their parents didn't really care because they thought kids were just being kids, and who honestly believed in a spooky ghost back then? Must have been a shock that 30 years later, his own son started having the same friend. 3. My uncle's night terrors ended when they moved him to another room. The bedroom he was in with the dresser was converted into a little sitting room since it had some nice views. It remained relatively unlived in until my dad moved our family into that home and that room became mine. 4. I haven't seen my uncle in 14 years now. Don't really speak to him since he is on the other end of the world. Afraid to bring something like this up since I know he struggles with depression and alcoholism, so I'd hate to bring up that stuff and put it on his plate. 5. To everyone asking what he looked like, I remember a tiny old man. Not like old man tiny, but kid-sized tiny. Hmm. He was very. He had very large hands, long fingers, which in turn led to how I draw people even to this day. Hands always come out longer and larger than what they should normally be. I think that's how all kids draw figures. Yeah, I know, I agree. The hands are extremely disproportionate to the body. He smelled of wood, mothballs, and old cloth, and and what I now know is mold. God, that is, that is creepy as fuck. That's a hell of an imaginary friend to have. Dad's like, no, we're definitely burning this fucking thing down. Okay, this comes from Marty 78 I was once featured in a St. Jude Survivor newsletter when I was about five years old in the early 90s. The newsletter went out across the country and apparently into Canada. There was this guy named Mitchell that called my family up out of the blue because he had read my cancer survival story. He lived somewhere in Canada and claimed to be this big-time Christian and wanted to talk to me about God and prayer. My mom let him talk to me for whatever reason, and the guy actually just wanted to talk to me about ALF. This Canadian dude named Mitchell was obsessed with ALF and somehow got a hold of our mailing address and sent me tons of ALF merchandise. Coloring books, pencils, ALF everything. Like ALF. Like ALF. What, is, what is it? You know what ALF is, right? No. He's like a kid a kid show. ALF. It's not ALF, it's oh. ALF. Oh. So ALF, okay, my apologies. For some reason, my parents let him talk to me whenever he would call up because they bought into this God stuff and he liked how he sent me ALF crap. This went on and off for about a year until he asked me if I had ever heard of John Wayne Gacy. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I know who ALF is. I just, it was weird that it was all capitalized. I just, I didn't know if it was abbreviations for something. I know, Cleet. I know what ALF is. He told me who he was and that he had escaped him when Gacy tried kidnapping him when he was a kid. Holy hell. He told me I should tell my parents they shouldn't trust strangers because you never know who you could really be talking to. I remember he didn't sound menacing when he said it, just matter of fact. Of course, my parents freaked when I told them that they changed numbers and called the police. They never really did anything since the guy did live in Canada by all accounts and hadn't really threatened me. That's a long way to go to prove a point. Yeah, what a... Just seems like a creepy dude. Also, keep in mind, Mitchell somehow had our mailing address and knew exactly where we lived. We had plans on moving soon anyway, though. Fast forward 10 years to about 2001, we live in a new house, a new state, everything unlisted. I'm now 15. What did we get in the mail? Yes, you guessed it, a fucking ALF coloring book. I didn't guess it. I wouldn't have guessed it, but... What a creepy dude. All right, this one is from Slut Rapunzel. Oh, man. That's just, not the Disney the version we all know. Just the name. Hard to <laughs> just say. the name. <laughs> Hard to say what qualifies as creepy. It could maybe be seen as heartwarming. What? I don't know. 
My mother swears this is a true story, and frankly, I don't see why she would lie about it. So a creepy, heartwarming tale? Hell yeah. My mom had three kids. There's me, the youngest, and my older brother. But before either of us were born, there was Jonathan. He was a sweet, little blonde boy, big blue eyes, known for accidentally repeating Dad's swears in church. Wholesome kid, great in school, active outside. When he was almost six... He was riding his bike and fell and hit his head on a rock. He got up and said he felt fine. My mom found him the next morning in his bed. When she tried to wake him up to get to kindergarten, one pupil dilated and the other not, she got him airlifted to the nearest hospital. During this time, Jonathan's best friend Nick was sitting at the breakfast table eating cereal. Nick suddenly gets up from the table and goes to the door. When his mom asks him, what's up? Nick says Johnny was calling for him. You see, Nick and Johnny lived on separate blocks, but they weren't allowed to cross the street without a parent yet because they were still fairly young. But they lived close enough to call to one another to come out to talk at their respective street corners. So Nick goes out to the street corner while his mother receives a call from mine that Johnny was just declared dead in the hospital. God damn. Idle brain aneurysm that was triggered by the fall. Nick's mom can hardly handle the news and is now wondering where her son went. I'm just wondering where the fucking heartwarming piece comes in. But Nick comes back a few minutes later and says that he heard Johnny calling to him, but he wasn't at the street corner when he looked, then sits down and continues eating his cereal. When his mom asks Nick what Johnny was saying, Nick says he had to come say goodbye. My mom told me the story when I was young, but it stuck with me. I wish I could have met him, but truthfully, I wouldn't be here to type this story to all of you random strangers if he hadn't died. My mother only wanted two kids. I'm thankful for that chance I was given to live and feel like he died for me sometimes. I'm not religious, but I do feel spiritual when I think of Johnny. So, kind of a kind of sad story there. Jesus. Sorry to see you go, Johnny. Okay. Anyway... This comes from Captain Dig Bob. Weird one that happened to my sister a couple years ago. Background information. She, ha- she and her now husband are house-sitting for my brother-in-law's uncle. The uncle is old and starting to lose it. He rents out a basement suite and a nice lady lives downstairs. She cleans the house when she is there, but he wanted my brother-in-law to come check on things and feed his old cat once in a while. Okay, so first day they go to house sit, they get in, but they can't find the cat to make sure it's okay. My sister has cats and know they like to hide when they're dying, so they're all worried and are looking everywhere for this cat. I think cats like to hide in general. Yeah, it depends on the cat. In all rooms, under the beds and everything. Even check with the lady downstairs. She hasn't seen it. So my sister opens up the closet in the spare bedroom and is looking around stuff on the floor. Moves a couple of things and sees a set of feet on the ground in the closet, with clothes blocking anything above the feet. The feet have nicely painted toenails and look human, but she assumes it's a doll or something. They look in a few more places and all of a sudden the cat is in the middle of the living room, just hanging out. So they lock the deadbolt and leave. So hang on a second. She sees feet and she's like, oh, they're a doll. That tickle them. Why are they cold? Just check. Why are they so cold? Oh, no worries. It's just feet. All good. Jesus Christ. Sister and her boyfriend go out for dinner and a movie, and she can't stop thinking about the feet and how real they looked and how she probably should have goddamn checked. My sister had started dating her boyfriend rather recently and didn't want to seem crazy, so she didn't bring it up. But a few hours into the night, she decided she needed to tell him. He decides that it's probably a doll, but he offers to go back and check anyway. When they arrive, my sister will only stay on the patio because she's scared, which makes him realize that this must be something serious. They go to get in the door, but the deadbolt is now unlocked and the handle is locked. Now he thinks there must be someone in there. At the door, there's a fireplace, so once he is in there, he grabs the sharp poker stick from the fireplace tools and starts to sneak towards the closet. He opens a closet and sees the same set of feet with painted toenails on the floor. He pokes it lightly with the fire stick and the toes scrunch up 
Oh, Jesus. It's alive. He proceeds to smack the foot as hard as he can with a sharp stick and yells, Get out of there! Out comes a lady in her mid-30s holding the cat and a can of Coke. Turns out she was friends with the basement tenant. When she became homeless, she let the friend stay there with her until she found out she was addicted to crack. (laughs) Started leaving drugs around the house and had shady people coming into the house, so she kicked her out. Somehow she got a key upstairs and had been staying there while while the uncle was gone. Police were called and she was arrested. Crackhead in the closet. Was it me? Jesus Christ. Like the fact that she stayed there the entire time, just holding the cat and a can of Coke, getting her feet beat up with a fireplace poker. God damn, that would hurt. Hey, this one is from Six Pints in a Second. Oh. It was near Halloween time when my friends and I were telling ghost stories. My friend said she was going to tell a story about her parents' first date. She said she didn't like telling the story since it was actually true, but we prodded her on. To cut to the chase, the parents had spent a nice, if awkward, first date, and around that time that they would have said goodnight, the male in the situation, my friend's dad, suggested that they go on a midnight hike over Provo Canyon. What? That's in Utah, people. Hey! He apparently knew the place since he had done a fair amount of rock climbing in the area, so the two drove up the mouth of the canyon, got out of the cars and started hiking under just the light of the stars since it was a new moon. At some point, the male starts getting a bad feeling since the pathway ahead, which would pass under some trees, would be dark. And because it was getting to be quite late, he ignores the feeling and presses on. In later rehearsals of the story, the female would say that she had felt the same feeling at what was probably the same time, though she didn't know the trail like he did. A minute later, the feeling came back to the male. He ignored it again and started walking a bit of the way into the trees when his foot hit something soft in the middle of the path. Under the trees, it was too dark to see what this soft thing was, and the feeling came back stronger than ever. Instead of finding out what his foot had bumped into, he and the female both agreed to hightail it out of there. Years later, after being married for some time, they were watching an interview with the serial killer Ted Bundy. In response to a question asking him to describe the time that he felt the closest to being caught, he explained about the night that he lured a girl into Provo Canyon and just had killed her when he heard some people coming up the trail. He explained how he hid in the trees just in time, only to watch some guy walk right into the body, and for some reason, just turned around and walked away. What the shit? Yeah, they could have caught him, but, uh, you know, they just, uh, they left. I like the comment. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, though. Can you imagine being that person? Like, well, damn. I mean, had they made a spectacle, they probably would have been killed, too. Eh, you, didn't, you never know, you know? How you tough know, is you Ted? Know. You know, you don't know the other guy. What if he was seven foot ten? Had an axe. Seven foot ten. And we're just angry all the time. I would not fuck with anyone seven foot ten. <laughs> that is a giant. Okay, this comes from Meta Metagame X. I used to jog through a canyon on the outskirts of my town. Train tracks ran straight down the middle of the canyon. One evening I ran my usual route closely following the train tracks. It was getting dark, but I figured I knew the route pretty well, so in the evening light I kept following the route to its end. Sometimes I'd weave off the tracks because a train was passing by. Near the end of the route I noticed a foul smell, but I figured it was just the still water that sometimes pools in the middle of the canyon. I made it home fine that evening. The next day, around midday, I ran the same route. I once again came to the end of the route where I had smelled the foul smell the previous night. In the middle of one of the train rails, I saw a decapitated horse head, eyes just staring wide, a bit of the spine and vertebrae showing. (laughs) God, no blood, but a pretty strong stench. I did come close enough to confirm that, yes, I was looking at some severed equine head. Maybe someone wanted to grind down horse heads into pet food or something. (laughs) There were also horse trails out in the canyon, 
Maybe someone took their horse along the train tracks. The horse slipped and injured itself, and they couldn't move the horse before a train came by. Anyway, I made my way home a bit faster than usual, then I stopped running that route for two years. Another thing to remember if you jog in somewhat wild areas, lonely bobcats, lonely feral cats, and human babies all make the same mewling cry. If you hear a baby crying, especially at night, just keep on running. And if you see a jeep pulled over on the side of a rarely traveled path, there's an 80% chance people are fucking in it. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. 80%, huh? They're just getting wrangled. Jeep Wrangler. All right, this one is from Lazus Pud 2. Lazus Pud? I'm about 98% certain I pissed on a dead guy in Seattle Gasworks Park on a dark New Year's night <laughs> at a turn of the millennium in 1999 to 2000. I think that's a crime. <laughs> what do you like to do? I like to piss on bodies. I'm 98% sure. 98%. That, the that's odds so there funny. is pretty good. My friend and I were going to see the fireworks at the Space Needle, but because terrorists had been caught sneaking tons of bombs across the Canada-America border earlier, a pre-9-11 plot to blow up the LAX airport, I think, the authorities wouldn't let crowds near the Space Needle. So we went across Lake Union to watch the Gasworks Park. When the fireworks were over, it was dark as fuck, and I had to piss like a racehorse, like a headless horse. So I just found a dead guy. We stumbled into some bushes, and I opened my fly and let loose. <laughs> As I was done, I started to walk away, and my foot hit something soft. What the hell? And then Ted Bundy said, just kidding. Yeah, Ted uh, Bundy did an interview. This guy just pissed on my <laughs> the body I just killed. It felt like a leg, and I freaked the fuck out, and I ran. My buddy chased after me, asking me what's up, and I told him that I think I accidentally pissed on a sleeping bum, which made him laugh. And I definitely didn't want to go back to apologize for fear of getting the shit kicked out of me. Sorry, I just pissed on you, pal. We good? The next morning on the news, we read that a body <laughs> section <laughs> had been found at Gasworks. I don't totally remember, but I think it was a murder of a homeless dude. Oh, my God. The newspapers didn't mention whether or not he was covered in piss. I going to say, we've got some nice warm DNA here we're going to cross-reference. <laughs> Why would you piss on him? Oh, so wrote, not wanting to freak you out or anything, but if the death is still unsolved, your urine sample and footprint See? impressions are probably in the box marked prime suspect in an evidence locker at a police station. See? I mean, I'm sure there's some serial killer out there that oh. killed someone and then peed on him. Oh, man, it's so funny. Oh. That's funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm 98% sure I pissed on a dead person. Okay. We've all been there. Oh, yeah? <laughs> this comes from Thunderbuns 2. One of my mom's friends bought an old farmhouse about a year back. They have a three-year-old son. The kid had an imaginary friend named Kevin. He would play with his toys in his room and talk to Kevin. His parents didn't really think anything of it considering the age of the kid, but it got weird after they started listening to their son's conversations with Kevin over the baby monitor. It seemed like something a three-year-old wouldn't regularly talk about. The kid was kind of a goofy kid, so they didn't think much of it. They asked the kid about Kevin, and he said Kevin is nice. He's a farmer. They figured that because this kid loved to play with toy tractors, they had just moved into a farmhouse. Then shit got real. There was a shelf mounted on the wall of the kid's room that was about five feet off the floor opposite of the bed. One morning, the parents go into the kid's room to find one of the stuffed animals that was on the shelf on the kid's bed. They asked him how he got the rabbit. The kid said that Kevin got it for him. A few months pass, and shit like this happens every now and again. Nothing that couldn't be reasonably explained. Since they moved in, they had found a church in the area and got involved in a Bible study with a few other couples from their church. They decided that they would host the Bible study one day. When they were setting everything up, they gave their address to one of the couples that had lived in town for a while. When they gave their address to the older couple, the wife looked at it and said to her husband, Hey, isn't this Kevin's old place? Apparently a man named Kevin used to live there. He ran into some financial troubles and said most of his land to the neighboring farm, but kept the small patch of land that the house was on. 
He suffered from depression and had a bit of a drinking problem and eventually hung himself in the house. Their friend from church knew Kevin as it's a small town in Iowa and everyone knows everybody. He found a picture of Kevin and gave it to my mom's friend. The picture was of Kevin and three other guys that Kevin would meet would meet with and to have coffee and shoot the shit about farming. They showed the picture to the kid and the kid pointed at Kevin and said, Hey, look, it's Kevin. They moved. What? That was a banjo. Oh, okay. And this one is from the Pondanza. When I was younger, my family was extremely poor, and I lived in a very old mobile home on some land my grandpa owned. This piece of land was in a very small town out in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and was covered in the woods. The town itself was your typical small country town, where football was king, and there was nothing to do but get drunk or high on the weekend. It was also the type of town, along with it being early 90s, where one didn't typically have to worry too much about locking their doors or setting an alarm. Now, our trailer was a two-bedroom, and my parents, always putting us kids ahead of themselves, slept in the living room on a fold-out couch. My room was directly connected to it, and my sister's room, was down the hallway past the kitchen and bathroom at the end of the trailer. One night, after everyone had gone to bed, my dad was woken up by a feeling that there is someone in the room. He looks around a bit and sees a large male figure sitting in an easy chair just feet from my bed. My dad quickly flipped on the light switch next to his bed and saw it was a neighbor from down the road named Carter. Carter was known to be a freaking drug user and was often in trouble with the law because of this. My dad asked him what the fuck was he doing here and told him to get out, and he responded, I I can't get out. What? The demons are chasing me, and your house is the only safe one. My dad, who I should is fairly large and terrifying person, responded that if he didn't get out, and get out quickly, that the house would be a lot less safe for him. Oh, damn. If they leave, they'll get me. They've been chasing me all night. If they catch me, I'm dead. My dad's response was that there was no demons, but that if he didn't get the fuck out of his house, that he'd be dead. From what I've been told since I was asleep for this part, my mom also hurled a few threats, and while she may not be as big, she was equally as terrifying. I believe it was her anger, and that finally scared him off. My dad got up and locked the door and watched through the blinds as Carter decided, since he couldn't outrun the demons, he'd steal our old beater sub- <laughs> suburban that my dad always left the keys in. Oh, Jesus. He drove around for about an hour. We called the police, and it, and it took them about as long to get out to us since the closest police station is about 20 to 30 minutes away. He finally brought it back and was arrested and taken to jail. It was deemed crazy and ended up locked up in a mental institution. The scarier part is that for years after this, we'd get phone calls where we'd hear, where all we'd hear is music that would have lyrics like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Jesus. These calls lasted for years and followed us from house to house, even though we always had different numbers and would even be in different states. We always thought it was him sending us a message. The call stopped when when I was about 12. I later found out that it was around the time that Carter thought the best thing he could do for himself was soak himself in gasoline and set himself on fire. Oh, that seems natural. Now I'm cold. Better light this ladder. Oh, my God. The demons. Well, he succumbed to the demons. He went to the warm place. This comes from Oliver36. This happened about two years ago to me, but it was pretty unsettling. I'll start by saying that I used to have a shop in an over 100-year-old building that was split up into three different storefronts. I had one shop, my best friend had another, and then the third was rented to another girl. One day I'm at the shop when the phone rings. A man is on the other line asking me for something or other and is being really spacey. I'm trying to talk to him, but there are long pauses before his answers and is just being a little odd. Finally, I ask him something, and there's a long pause on the other end, long enough to make me ask, Hello? Because I think he has hung up on me. 
Instead, he replies with, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just having a hard time focusing on our conversation because there's a spirit standing next to you that is yelling into the phone, trying to get my attention. At this point, I'm intrigued and decide to play along, so I say, Oh, really? What is he saying? The psychic goes on to make a few broad comments about me and the space that I'm in, all of which he could have easily found if he looked on our website, so I'm not impressed. And says the man has been in the building since the early 1900s and is infatuated with me, has been following me for years and frequently tags along with me to my house, my friend's house, and even places like the grocery store. Okay, that's interesting, but then it gets more so. He tells me the man is very jealous of the guy that I'm dating and doesn't like him because we are so close. He then goes on to say that the spirit hurt the guy I'm seeing when he was doing renovations on the building, which was 100% accurate. I put the story below and that he didn't like the way he was in his personal space changing it. So, that was weird, but his next comment really bothered me. The psychic says, and he is very glad you broke up with that army dude. He really hated him. Now, this is weird to me because I had dated that guy about three years prior before and had been restationed right after we broke up and had never set foot in the building. Nor had I seen him since we broke up. At the time of the phone call, I had only had my shop in the building for about six months, so I couldn't figure out how this spirit would know about him. The guy told me some other stuff, most of which was pretty basic, and then I finally got off the phone because he started getting weird, and I just wasn't interested anymore. The whole conversation lasted about 15 minutes, and I was thoroughly creeped by his couple of comments and couldn't figure out how he knew so specifically the last two people I dated. I should add that I don't have any personal social media that someone can search for me for, so there wouldn't have been any couple pictures of me with either person I dated. Then it dawned on me. I had worked for about six months for my friend at her shop in the same building for some extra cash, and I had moved back to the city, which was about four years prior to that time I had dated slash broken up with the army guy, which would also explain why the psychic said the spirit had been following me for years. I no longer have the shop in that building, but still go in there every now and then to see my friend. We both agree that building has some bad vibes, especially at night. And There's a couple more weird things that happened to me while I was in the shop there. Psychic guy calls my shop and begins to tell me all about the spirit who lives there and is in love with me and hates all the guys I date. Interesting. So I have a ghost stalker. <laughs> the ghost is screaming in the, in the phone there. I'm just so interested. Go stalk me. That's my Bartha. I've got a Bartha ghost. This one is from Tragedy X. I'll try to get through this without breaking down. Oh. It's still kind of chilling to think about. Around the time I was 19, I was deployed to Iraq. My unit worked with bombs, and honestly, I didn't know I would make it home intact. About halfway through my tour, the Red Cross notified my unit that my father was terminally ill. Within a week, I was on a plane back to the States. Now, my dad being ill was something I had grown used to. He was strong, though, and I never expected to actually lose him. I lost my mother when I was seven, and my father's lungs had collapsed shortly before then. He was on oxygen and needed a wheelchair to go anywhere. Medication by the handfuls were needed every few hours. He gained weight from limited movement, developed diabetes, and had already beaten cancer once. I never expected to lose him, and he wasn't the type to ever give up. I arrived home, headed to the hospital, and he assures me he is fine and they're overreacting. I visit him every day. I'm there. But he tells me he'll be fine by the time I get home for good. I reluctantly go back overseas. I call his hospital whenever I have a few minutes of free time, and we're near a call center. My deployment finishes and he kept his promise. He comes home from the hospital because he says he doesn't want to die there. He gets worse and goes back. The family all visits, but we know he isn't improving. One day, I'm at home and the phone rings. It's an unknown caller, so I don't answer. It goes to the answering machine and a very raspy voice mumbles, Call the hospital. It's my dad. I grab the phone, but he's already hung up. So I call. They tell me he's been intubated intubated for the last couple hours, and he's just starting to go into cardiac arrest. He's non-responsive, and we need to come say our goodbyes. 
I argue that he just called me, and she says that's not possible. They've been working on him for some time now. I hung up and told my family the news. My sister and I stared at the answering machine. We played the tape again and again. That was the last time I heard my father's voice. I'm a skeptic. I don't believe in the paranormal but or ghosts, and I cannot come with any logical explanation. I still get watery-eyed thinking about it. Damn. Okay, I'll do this last one because it's pretty good. Do it. KB81. A few years ago, I went to a Christmas party. That night, my housemates went home earlier while I decided to stay and get in the Christmas spirit with a few other friends. I ended up getting pretty hammered and got home around 3 a.m. Instead of going straight to bed, I got another beer inside, then went out the back porch to have a smoke and look at the stars. I was outside a couple of minutes when I see the light go on in the kitchen. My housemate comes out to look at me out the back. I wave and generally look like a drunk idiot. I thought he was going to come out and get a debrief on the rest of the evening, as there were some good laughs we had not relevant to the story. Anyway, he just gets a glass of water and goes to bed. I finish my smoke and beer and so do I. The next morning, we're rehashing the previous night when he mentions getting up and seeing me having a smoke out the back. Who came back from the party with you last night? I give him a sideways look and replied, No one, dude. I was out there alone. He insists, Nah, man, there was someone out there with you, behind you on the porch, when you were looking inside waving. I didn't come out because I thought it was some random friend from the Christmas party I didn't know. Couldn't be, mo- couldn't be bothered making introductions. To this day, he stands by this version of events. Whoever it was must have been standing close behind me the whole time. I saw no one and heard nothing. Gives me the willies every time I think about it. That's creepy. I like to think of this from the other guy's point of view. Yeah, I'm going to kill this guy so hard. <laughs> Look at this drunken idiot enjoying his last cigarette and he doesn't even know it. Wait a second, is he waving at me? Damn, I better get out of here before he crushes me to death with his balls of steel. <laughs> he's not even scared. <laughs> he's like, he's just waving death in the face. All right. Well, that will wrap up our stories for the evening. Again, apologies severely for being gone for so long, but we will be here next week for it's another always, brand new episode. It's always nice to just dip your toe back into the abyss. Just a little bit. Just got to jump face first, man, right into the abyss. Just got to. All right, everyone, if you liked what you heard, please like, share, and subscribe. Um, currently, right now, the uh, Spotify and YouTube wars, it seems like Spotify is winning. Woo-woo. We were at 311 subs while YouTube is at 260. So, you know, depending on what pl- platform you prefer, subscribe there. Or hit them both up. Why not? Yeah, why not? And as always, thank you for entering the abyss. Until next time.